Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man for the past 10 years has written on a variety of baseball topics at Seamheads.com. At a very early age, he started to develop a keen interest in baseball's rich history and statistics, including how to compare players across time. Now taking the field is a result of nearly 20 years of research and is the first of several baseball books he plans to write. His latest book, Now Taking the Field, provides robust 30-man all-time dream team roster selected based on wins above replacement, which we all know we consider it, we call it war, traditional statistics, awards, and postseason accomplishments. Additional features for each all-time team include starting lineups, depth charts, comparison with numerous path authors, and fan surveys. It's an incredible book. It's a pleasure to welcome the author of that book, Tom Stone, to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, guys. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? Great. We're doing good. First, I have to commend you on this. as It's a baseball fan's Bible. You've taken the most common baseball question about who are the best players for each franchise and metaphorically pumped it full of steroids. Uh, so first off, can you tell our audience what criteria you used to come up with each team's rosters and how you determine that depth chart? Yeah, thanks. So I, uh, I started, like you said in the intro, with wins above replacement. That's sort of one of the new sabermetric stats that, that most baseball fans today have at least heard of. Um, you know, it's the one that's sort of gotten the most popularity and gets used a lot on, on all the networks and in writing all over the place. But I didn't want to just stop there. Um, for one thing, uh, if, if you just looked at cumulative war for the time the players spent on a team, then players that had stronger peak performances wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily fare so well. So I also looked at their top three war seasons, and I also looked at war divided by games played to get a sense of their average value. But I didn't want it to be entirely war-focused either, so I looked at traditional stats, like you had mentioned, so batting average, slugging, OPS, uh, wins, strikeouts, all, all the stuff, you know, the traditional stats that we all know. Uh, I looked at postseason accomplishments because war only covers the regular season, so I, I needed to consider how do they do in the World Series and the playoffs. Uh, and then I also looked at honors and awards like uh, Gold Glove Awards won, how they do in the MVP or Cy Young balloting, things like that. We mentioned in the open that this book is 20 years in the making. What was the process of writing this book like for you, and was it everything that you expected once you started out to do this? No, I certainly didn't think back in 1999 that it would take me 20 years. <laughs> now, part of that was taking some time off from the project over the years, so it was more off and on over 20 years. Um, but also, when, it, when, it, when a project drags on that long, particularly something like a sports book, uh, there's more seasons that come, in, that come and go as you're writing it, so you've got to rewrite things. I also you know, didn't start thinking uh, using war as a baseline stat. I, I was just going to use traditional stats, but then war and, and other stats like it gained in popularity during that time, so I sort of had to shift gears in that regard as well. But just think about some of the players. I mean, Derek Jeter was was playing in, in the late 90s, but he was just starting his career still, still early. Uh, he certainly wouldn't have made it onto the all-time Yankees or someone like an Albert Pujols uh, with the all-time Cardinals or obviously Mike Trout uh, wasn't a major league player yet, so uh, couldn't have been considered for the all-time Angels. So had had to keep, keep the current players in mind as I was going along. You know, obviously when you have the history of the Yankees or the Red Sox, 
they always seem to have great players over the decades. The choices must have been very difficult. Which team for you required the longest research time, and what were the, out of all of them, which was the toughest roster for you to do? Yeah, I would say any of the 16 longstanding National League and American League teams, you know, pre-expansion era clubs, all took a pretty long time. I, I did spend uh, a good amount of time on the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Giants, the ones that have the most rabid fan bases, because I knew that uh, that I needed to get those, you know, I needed to get them right in my mind uh, and and defendable to to everyone else. Uh, I, I chose 30-man rosters. I don't just choose starting lineups and a couple of pitchers. Uh, so with 30 players chosen for each team, 30 teams in Major League Baseball, that's 900 selections. Um, you know, to claim that I got them all quote-unquote right, uh, you know, there's going to be some subjectivity, and, and no reader is going to agree with all 900 choices. But I'd have to say I, I spent the most time on the most popular teams, the ones with the biggest fan bases, and certainly the ones that have been around the longest. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here because I just got back uh, yesterday morning from Met Fantasy Camp. Uh, my 30-year-old son was my teammate down there. Uh, earlier, I guess probably about a month, month and a half ago, the newest Yankee, Adam Adovino, made a statement that he would strike Babe Ruth out every time, and that inspired a lot of debate at his workplace. Yeah. So last Sunday afternoon, we were actually sitting around watching the, the Saints game with Ron Swoboda, Todd Pratt, and Lenny Harris. So it's a, a pretty interesting mix of ball players there. So he decided to ask them that if you took Babe Ruth, transported him to today's game, just the same shape he was in, his same swing, his same mechanics... And bringing him in today's game with today's pitching, the the shift, the research, the diversity that the game now has as opposed to when he played, do you think his war would be anywhere near 142.4? And and basically, that took on an amazing half-hour to 45-minute conversation between us, Lenny Harris, Ron Swoboda, and Todd Pratt. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, could, you know, do you think that, Babe Ruth would be the same type of player if you brought him into today's game, or would he would he be an all star? Would he be a fringe player? What type of player would Babe yeah. Ruth be in today's game? Yeah, I've thought about that some, and I've had some conversations on that very question lately. And of course, people always pick Babe Ruth because of his his physique and and the, what he did off the field and so on. And could he really keep up with the players today with their different workout regimens and all the science and technology we have? I mean, if you just transported him and plopped him here, he'd be so disoriented at first that obviously, <laughs> no, he wouldn't do well. But let, let's give him a give him a couple weeks to adjust and everything. Um, I don't think that he would be as productive as he was. I think, could he still be a major leaguer? I would, I would probably say yes. I don't think that he would be as productive on a per-at-bat basis um, I think that if if you took him here as a child and let him grow up in the modern day era, then I think whatever made him such a great player, his his batting eye, his just his, you know various talents and skills for the game, you know, if you allowed him to develop the way major leaguers do today, then yes, I think he'd certainly be an all star. Would he be as dominant? Well, no, because you know he he changed the game. The game has been changed ever since him. So would he be as famous and and such a standout? player that he was in the 20s if he was playing today? Well, certainly not, because he'd be one amongst many great players. Um, I think some other players from the, from that era might actually do even better than Ruth if you transported them. Someone like a Lou Gehrig, his teammate, because he kept himself in such great physical condition. Or maybe someone like Ted Williams, who's so famous for having such a great batting eye. I think that would still translate well to being a hitter today. Um, but yeah, Babe Ruth is an interesting one to ponder there. 
Very cool stuff. You know, I know this is a type of book that obviously begs for updates as players complete their careers. If things continue the way they have, you know, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, and, and even Ahmad Rosario very well may replace some of the players that you have listed on, on your Mets you know, depth chart and roster. How often will you be updating the book? And do you have lists of current players on each team who you think maybe, well, it's also dependent on the, the first part of that answer, but you think are on the cusp of mm-hmm. replacing those players? Yeah, definitely. So um, it's a good question. I, I, uh, I actually was going to go to print a little bit earlier, and we had some delays in the fall and didn't get the book out until late November, so that allowed me to update the book through at least the regular season of 2018, not the playoffs and awards, just the regular season. And that's how, actually, Jacob deGrom made it onto the 30-man roster for the Mets because he had such a great season this year, leaving aside his his silliness with wins and losses, which wasn't his fault. He had such a great season. I didn't know yet that he was going to necessarily win the Cy Young but his numbers were awesome, so that's what got him onto the roster this year. So that's a good example of, yeah, every season there'll, there'll need to be a few changes to at least some of the teams in the book. I plan to update it to your question every two to three years and come out with a new updated edition, uh, not only because the players uh, will have accumulated more honors and awards and some guys will need to come off, other guys go on, but I may get convinced that I've made some mistakes. I'm already engaging with fans of certain teams on, on Twitter and Facebook, and they're arguing with me about some of my some of my picks, uh, and they may convince me some of the close calls I had to make. Uh, I may end up reversing them for those reasons, too. One thing I'll note um, is that players need to stay on the team for a good while in order to, to make it, particularly for the pre-expansion era teams, so not so much the Mets as much, but those older teams, it's very difficult to crack those those rosters and certainly crack the starting lineup. So they can't be moving around, uh, you know, team, one team to the next via free agency or trades if they expect to make it on some of these all-time teams. You just made a semi-enemy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, because one of my pet peeves is when the Hall of Fame balloting comes and a guy, you know, doesn't make it for 10 years and then all of a sudden, you know, 10 years, year 11, all of a sudden he makes it. You know, he hasn't played for 11 years, so his statistics, I understand what you're saying. People are going to give you arguments as to why someone will be there, which will be interesting, which also will make people want to buy the next copy of the book for sure. Um, the way you set up the book, I love, because you basically set it up by all-time wins-loss records, so the Yankees are Chapter 1, and then, you know, obviously they have such an amazing 30-man roster. As you get down into the mid to late 20s, you start seeing a little bit more pedestrian 30-man rosters. Was there one team in particular when you took a step back and looked at their roster that you were actually surprised at how weak uh, of a franchise, you know, top 30 it actually was? Not so much on the overall franchise level, but there were some interesting situations for particular positions on particular teams. Um, some teams are loaded at certain positions, like the Yankees, a catcher with Barra, Dickey, Munson, Posada. I mean, just some great, great catchers there. The Braves at third base, they have both Eddie Matthews and Chipper Jones. Surprisingly, I guess, the Phillies, even though they were Chapter 16, which, which means they had the worst wins-loss record of the original 16 teams, they were very strong, a lot of depth in both outfield and starting pitching. Um, Robin Roberts, Steve Carlton, Glover, Cleveland Alexander, Kurt Schilling, Cole Hamels. Great starting pitching for the Phillies, even though they didn't rank as well in the order of the chapters. And then on the flip side, for weakness at certain positions, again, there were interesting things there. I mentioned the Braves at third base being strong. They were very weak at second base. It was like Glenn Hubbard and a bunch of other guys. And so I actually did something I rarely did, which was I took someone in this case, Robert Moranville, who mostly played shortstop, but played a fair number of games at second, and I included him in one of the second base slots 
just because otherwise my, my pickings were so slim. Another quick example would have been first base for the Pittsburgh Pirates. If you don't move Willie Stargell from left field to first base, uh, then you've got very poor choices at first base for them. Whereas in left field for them, in addition to Stargell, you've got Ralph Kiner and Barry Bonds and, and Fred Clark. So great, great left fielders for the Pirates, weak at first, so made the switch with Stargell. You know, were there any players that when you did the rankings and you step back and you look at that they were the best in their prospective franchise and they're not in the Hall of Fame, was there one or two guys in particular that you said, like, wow, look how good of a player this guy is and he's not in the Hall of Fame? Well, for me, I, I've been interested in the Hall of Fame and in this sort of comparative analysis of players over the years um, for a long, long time. And so I, I've kind of got my own mental list of guys that I think really should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and then that came up, I guess, it, I guess you could say it was reinforced by doing this project. Um, somebody like a Bobby Gritch, who I've always thought should, is, is worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, he makes it onto both the all-time Orioles and the all-time Angels. Um, and so the fact that he can make it onto two all-time teams, one of which is a long-standing franchise, the Orioles, before they were in Baltimore, they were the St. Louis Browns, so they go back to 1901. Uh, and a player like Bobby Gritch makes both of those all-time teams. Um, I think it's just more reason to, to take another look at him for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Frank Robinson, who is in the Hall of Fame, is also on two of the lists as well. So that, that's pretty cool when you can yep. make, you know, play long enough for both te- long-standing teams to make it. Um, you also do a thing which is pretty cool. You designate a franchise player for each team. Which of the teams had the biggest competition for that franchise tag, and did you agonize over it, and after you went to print, still weren't 100% sure? <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some like that. I mean, some of them are easy, like George Brett for the Royals, Tony Gwynn for the Padres. I would even say Tom Seaver for the Mets is a pretty pretty clear choice for now at least. Um, but then, yeah, there were some that were pretty tough, like the Dodgers. They've been a great team for a very long time. You could you could think of half a dozen guys that you could, you could look at there. Sandy Koufax, Clayton Kershaw, Pee Wee Reese, Roy Campanella, Duke Snyder. I ended up going with Jackie Robinson, um, and I didn't really do that because of the importance he was to the game and actually to the country. Uh, I actually, you know, just based on his playing and his numbers, um, you know, I, I felt like he, he deserved it over those other guys. Um, but, uh, but it's a close call. I mean, to have half a dozen vying for that, uh, that, that that's definitely a tough one. Um, for the Yankees, obviously, Babe Ruth, you got to give it to him, but, but so many other great players there, it, it's pretty tough to, to, to deny them at least honorable mention. We're talking to Tom Stone, author of a great new book, Now Taking the Field. Uh, you mentioned a, a little earlier that you had to make 900 picks to, to fill the rosters, uh, 30 players on each team. You also mentioned that you, know, you went to print a little early and late, so DeGrom made it. So obviously there are guys that have been bumped, you know, because of you know when the book came out. Which is the guy who's nine oh one? Who was the guy at the last minute was cut and is standing on the outside looking in? Well, I, I'll tell you who it was that the Degrom took off of the Mets. I, I came down to either Armando Benitez as an extra reliever or Ron Darling as the lowest listed uh, starter, and so I, I kept Darling. And took Benitez off the list. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'd call him necessarily 901, since it's <laughs> team by team, chapter by chapter. But he's the one that got taken off uh, so that Degrom could get on there. Very, very cool. Um, you know, there are so many different computer simulation games out there. In fact, it's pretty interesting. I think uh, 
two or three days ago, they basically could put Bryce Harper on every single major league team and ran a whole bunch of sims. And the only team that actually won a World Series with Bryce Harper this season was the Baltimore Orioles, which I don't even know that, how that even yeah, happens. And it, they kind of <laughs> simulated that he'd hit 50 home runs. Have you contacted any of these computer sim you know, companies and said, here, take these rosters and run you know, a season, and which of the teams you know, were dominant uh, you know, and against each other if they played a full season? Is that something that you've done or something that you would be interested in doing? Because I think that would be so cool. Yeah, it's something I'm interested in doing, whether it's uh, Stratomatic, the, you know, the old version or the electronic version. There's lots of websites now that have different uh, things like that that you can easily simulate entire seasons. Um, I haven't reached out to any yet. It's on my to-do list once I've done a little more publicity for the book and, and gotten through the initial book launch process. Um, definitely on my to-do list, but I will say that I've had some players of some of those games reach out to me, people that have already gotten the book, had the same idea that you're suggesting. One guy said that he was going to use uh, whatever, whichever one of these that he uses uh, and run through the sim, so I'll, I'll definitely stay in touch with him. Um, in the introduction of the book, I actually talk about how when I was a kid in the 70s and early 80s, I played uh, all-star baseball by Kadako, which was uh, the, the one that had the little spinner discs right. uh, that represented the players and their different stats. Um, and so that was one of the things that at an early age got me interested in this subject. Yeah, I was a big Sports Illustrated baseball player myself. Loved it. You know, it was a great, great game. Uh, just like the Hall of Fame vote, everyone has their opinions. And you mentioned that, that you're getting a lot of feedback on you know, social media. How much debate ha- has the book inspired on your social media platforms yeah, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm joining a bunch of the, the fan-based uh, groups on Facebook that are specific to each of the teams, and I'm sharing out just the starting lineups as sort of a teaser and then asking them, you know, here's my starting lineups, what do you think, and who else would you include on a full 30-man roster? And since the lineups only uh, include the hitters, I'm not actually giving away any of the pitchers I chose. And that's generating a lot of discussion. Some people just say, oh, I like your lineups, good job. But a lot of people, you know, take issue with certain picks, um, you know, they get into debates about the structure of the lineups or who the pitcher should be. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun to do that with the different team-based Facebook groups. And then I do the same thing out on Twitter. My Twitter handle is TomStoneBB, as in baseball. Uh, and I do the same thing there. Every, every week or so I share one or two of the, the team lineups out and uh, ask for feedback. And I try and tag some of the broadcasters or, or sports writers, beat writers for that team. And some of them have actually shared it out. Wade Boggs shared out. Um, to, to the, the Red Sox lineup, to, to his followers, and Jim Palmer did the same with the Orioles. So that helps to get more eyeballs on it. It's very, very cool. You know, Facebook, every so often you see, you know, who's your Mount Rushmore of Yankees. You know, but when it gets to 30, it, it, it's a lot tougher. You know, it, it's easy to pick four or five, the top four, top five, top ten even. But when you're filling out that complete roster, it, it's, it's a lot difficult. more room for debate. For yeah, sure, a lot yeah. more room for debate. It, it's really fascinating for sure. Where's the best place for people to get a hold of this great book as well as to follow you on the social media platforms? Yeah, so again, on Twitter, I'm TomStoneBB for baseball. That's the Twitter handle. If you go on Facebook and just search on the title, Now Taking the Field, you'll You'll find the page easily enough, and you could like or follow that. Um, the best place to go overall would be the website I've created for the book, which is just simply www.nowtakingthefield.com. And, of course, the book is available at Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble stores as well as their online. And the publisher's website, Acta Sports, A-C-T-A Sports, they also publish each year the, uh, the Bill James Handbook. Uh, so for people that are interested in that, you could pick that up at the same time. 
Thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for your exhaustive research. It truly is an amazing book. It's one of those books that you can just leave hanging around, pick up anytime, flip through a page and say, wow. So it's, it's great, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Good, good talking with you. Thanks. You got it. Tom Stone, author of Taking the Field, Baseball's All-Time Dream Teams for All 30 Franchises.